now, The Whole Home Show with Tony Joe on CFAX 1070. Hey there, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Whole Home Show. I'm Tony Joe. I'm your host here every week, bringing you tips, education, and updates on home-related matters. Whether you're in the real estate market currently or if you're looking for things to do around the house, this is a great place to be. Our show comes to you with the support of our show partners, Denise Webster, mortgage broker with Dominion Lending Center's Modern Mortgage Group, J.P. Sellas, insurance advisor at Westland Insurance, the Sitka Law Group for your real estate, wills and estates, corporate and personal injury needs, and Silhouette Home Inspections with Pierre Beauvais. If you need help or direction in your real estate transaction, give any of the whole Home Show team members a call. They would love to hear from you. You can find their contact information and mine by going to cfax1070.com, look under shows, and there you'll find us, the whole home show with me, Tony Joe. All of our contact information is there, or you can always just reach out to me, Google me, go online, you're on your smartphone or in front of your computer, Tony Joe Real Estate, uh, Tony Joe Remax, whatever. Uh, I'm at the Prime Real Estate Team, primeteam.ca. Email me at tony at primeteam.ca. It's been my honor being your host here for many years. I'm going to be here again this coming year as well. So uh, my goodness, we've been here uh, at this microphone uh, for over four years now and more than 230 episodes. By the way, you can find them all if you're a podcast listener by going to iTunes or Google Play and looking for the whole home show with Tony Joe. So many great guests over the years. Uh, so much material that will answer many of your questions, things that you're curious about uh, at this juncture uh, in your life or at your home uh, that will hopefully help you out. So many things that I've learned and things I know that our listeners have learned as well too. I love hearing from you guys, by the way. Almost every week I get a call or a message from a loyal uh, CFAX listener or CFAX home show, uh, whole home show listener. It is, uh, it is great. Uh, today, we're having a conversation about economics, what's happening out there in the real estate realm, what happened in 2021, what's happening in 2022, talking about interest rate rising, and what's it going to take for this market to balance out. Our guest today is the chief economist of the British Columbia Real Estate Association, Brendan Ogmanson. Uh, for our listeners who are here all the time, you would have remembered we had him on the show six months ago, back in July. We were talking about the post-pandemic economy, uh, which, of course, I guess we were all hoping we had passed by now, but, you know, we're still in it anyways. I got to say, though, if you're curious to know uh, what he said back then, just go to our podcast and compare. Uh, you know, these economists know what they're talking about. It's always great to have Brandon here on the program. We've got a whole bunch of great questions uh, to ask him about. Uh, so that's going to have a, we're going to be talking about that shortly here. Always start off, of course, with just chatting about what's going on out there in the local real estate market. If you've got a question and want to talk about something, just reach out to me. As I said, uh, Google uh, or uh, contact us uh, here through the station. Be happy to uh, have a uh, conversation about your topic or your thing in need. But what I do want to talk about today something that has come up with a couple of listeners recently and you know of course we're in a kind of crazy marketplace right now we've got no inventory we've got high demand so something that comes up every once in a while is well i've got this property that's worth a million dollars if interest if the interest is so high and if the demand and the inventory is so low i got this million dollar house let's go on at two million dollars you know this hey it's human nature 
of course, you know, the thought is you got one shot at this. If this is an investment property or, you know, in a family, I've got to sell this property, you know, uh, got to make sure that we maximize our uh, sale proceeds. That makes sense. That is fair, folks. Absolutely fair. But the question is, if we know that it's a million dollar house, why can't we ask two million? and uh, get a whole bunch of extra money. Well, there are reasons, folks. Now, uh, granted, the last few weeks in uh, our marketplace, the month of December, a few crazy things have happened. You know, sales have happened uh, beyond what we expected. We, we've seen a fair amount more bully offers. We've seen more uh, of these, you know, preemptive offers. The, 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 the sales, the offers come in before the delayed uh, offer process. I talked about that. I think last week we talked about this often about the rules of engagement with multiple offers and, and bidding wars. So we saw a lot more of that in the last few weeks. There's been further upward pressure in pricing. We've seen a couple of properties get uh, high prices, things that maybe uh, would have sold for less uh, six months, you know, months ago or, or, or whatever. But getting back to why can't I just ask what I want or why can't I just ask a crazy dollar that I would never get uh, ever in another you know million years or, or whatever. And it's because there are realities to the economics of the price bands. I want to talk about price bands for a moment here. And what that is, is um, every homes have different, of course, the attributes, locations, views, size, upgrades. Uh, all of these things, they have different features, but there are different price bands. So for instance, a million dollars to a million two, a million two to a million five, a million five to a million one seven five, whatever. There are specific price bands and the properties are often different between those price bands. So let's talk about that million dollar home right now. You know, one that that can be shown to be a million dollars. You go to market today and you know, because of the, uh, the demand and the inventory, multiple offers, it might sell for a million fifty, a million one, a million two, who knows, maybe even more. I mean, I did one last year, what was it now? It was $400,000 over list price. We've seen stuff like that happen. That is a, uh, a demand kind of scenario, right? But to go up from 1 million to a million five, you are suddenly competing with a very different kind of property. Now I get it. You know, you're thinking about your own home and all these great, you know, I'm only what uh, one house from the water or, you know, I've got a, a detached double car garage, you know, surely these are uh, factors. They are. But then when you look at other things like the relative newness of other properties, uh, design and style, um, people are always thinking about what am I going to have to spend, right? So if you venture into a different price band, you are looking into a much more competitive marketplace, one that could only serve to make your house look weaker. And what I mean by that is in a, in a normal marketplace, this is, this is an effect that, that we talk about quite often. Sometimes when people choose to overprice their home, you know, if they go, if they get that million dollar house and they go, oh, let's just try a million five. All that ends up happening is that home starts getting used in the marketplace as that one that is over. Oh, look at that house. Oh, those, you know, can you believe they're asking that much money? 
And then what ends up happening is that home ends up making the other properties in that 1.5 range just look so much more attractive. You know, it's, it's what has been referred to before as the decoy. You know, uh, it's the house that makes the other ones just uh, look so much better. And it will serve to push the values upwards of that higher uh, price band. So price bands, you know, it's, it's a conversation piece that really uh, is important to talk about because it does make a difference. You can't just ask what you want. I mean, you can try. But by the way, not every house sells, folks. Like I know, all time low in inventory right now, high demand. That doesn't mean that every house or every property has sold. Ask your agent or go online. You know, you're going to see properties have been sitting around for 80 days, 90 days. Uh, and not, we're not just talking the ones that are estate sales, subject to probate, ones that have sold that you know need to go through the process. Um, there are properties that don't sell. Even in a market like this, in every market, there are properties that don't sell. And why do they not sell? It's because the pricing is unrealistic. Always consult with your agent. Have a conversation about the price ranges and about the potential drawbacks about overshooting the mark and going too far because it is entirely possible. By the way, this market is self-correcting, ladies and gentlemen. It's self-correcting. What do I mean by that? Well, if it is priced sharply or maybe even underpriced, uh, you get 20, 30, 40 offers, that multiple offer thing, and then you end up getting a very strong price. Or uh, alternatively, if you are overshooting the mark, you're not going to get multiple offers. You don't get bidding wars. Bidding wars don't happen on overpriced properties, ladies and gentlemen. It just does not happen. It is a perception of value. What do consumers feel that property is like relative to others uh, from the standpoint of value? That's what it's all about. As always, if you have any questions, want to chat, uh, reach out to me. Uh, visit us, cfax1070.com and the whole home show. Need to take our first break of the day here. We're going to have a conversation when we get back with the chief economist of the British Columbia Real Estate Association, Brendan Ogmanson, back in just a moment. You're listening to The Whole Home Show with Tony Joe on CFAX 1070. Thanks for coming back. You're listening to The Whole Home Show, and I'm Tony Joe. You know, the big question that people have on their minds every day is, what's going on in real estate? Uh, or more specifically, what has happened? It's been a crazy time. There's no question. Who knows where things are going? Well, of course, we've got to speak to the people who actually do know. Those would be the economists out there. And our guest today, returning from the British Columbia Real Estate Association, is Chief Economist Brendan Ogmanson. Uh, Brendan, thanks for coming back. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so we, now we had you here in July, so six months ago now, and the topic at the time was um, uh, the uh, post-pandemic housing market. And uh, of course, you know, here we are six months later. I I'm not going to say we're in, we're not quite in post now, are we? <laughs> no, that was uh, unfortunately timed. I was kind of really hoping that we were going to be in post-pandemic market or post-pandemic world by now. Yeah, uh, it turned out not to be the case. And then this Omicron thing shows up and here we go. And, and just for our listeners, by the way, if you want to hear our interview from back then, you can just go on to uh, iTunes or Google Play 
and look at the home uh, whole home show uh, with me, Tony Joe. As you guys know, all of our uh, four or so years worth of um, uh, recordings are all podcasted, so you can listen. I always enjoy listening, of course, to when I have conversations with uh, uh, economists like yourself, Brendan, because the question always arises, how right were we? And I got to say, you know, you do a pretty good job. BCREA has always done a good job forecasting. And it's a reminder about the fact that, you know, maybe you guys know what you're talking about. I hope so. I mean, we, we certainly try our best. It's always, especially in a, in a pandemic, it's always difficult. Uh, there's a heightened level of uncertainty, but I think we've generally got the direction of things uh, correct. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, listen, so we're going to talk about a number of things today. We're going to talk about uh, how 2021 ended up, uh, where BCREA is seeing 2022 uh, rolling. But because this is topical, I think one of the things that people are most curious about was the announcement this week that the Bank of Canada is not going to be raising interest rates because a lot of people thought that this was going to happen, right? It was really interesting. Like we had, you know, it, it, say like a month ago, the general idea was the Bank of Canada was probably going to raise rates in the spring, maybe the early summer. And then all of a sudden there was this real kind of turn in expectations, mostly driven, I think, by, by Bay Street economists that, oh no, the Bank of Canada needs to raise rates like as soon as possible at their, their first meeting of the year. That, that kind of happened like the past week or two. It wasn't really driven by by much uh, that that change. So I think the Bank of Canada was coming out this week and saying we're going to go at our own pace. We're not going to be driven by you know newspaper headlines or what what analysts and economists are, you know are, are saying in, in the papers. So whether or not they raised rates uh, this this week, you know, from you know zero point two five percent to zero point five percent doesn't really matter. I mean, the really important thing is that they're signaling that rates are going higher and, and they're going to be going higher in March. So a month from now. So not a big difference between raising rates January 26th versus like March 2nd. Like, right. Mm -hmm. So that doesn't have it. But the, the idea is though um, rates are, rates are going higher. Um, and, uh, and that's kind of the more important thing than whether or not they raise rates. Yes. I, I, I think everyone agrees with that. I mean, the, the fact is they're, they've been so low. Oh my goodness. I was listening to a, podcast of mine from um what year was it 2008 and at the time we were talking about i think eight percent interest rates <laughs> and you know anyone who's been in the market for the past two years they have no they have no uh, uh idea of what that was like right it's fascinating when we were doing our research on past rate tightening cycles and just to see the, the levels of rates but even when we were playing around with simulations or i was playing around simulations in our models what used to be a pretty normal Bank of Canada overnight rate was like around four, like pre-financial crisis was like around 4%. Mm -hmm. Now, like if we, if we pushed our, our, the overnight rate to, to over 4% in our models, we didn't even do it in our simulations in the most recent research we did. We got to like 3.25, which would imply like an over 6% probably mortgage rate. And it, it has some real impacts on sales and prices because mm -hmm. um, uh, I think our market has gotten even more interest rate sensitive. So, yeah, it's it's, it's, it's I mean, there's a lot of reasons why, you know, the, the sort of idea of a neutral rate or where the Bank of Canada can raise rates to without having a lot of damage in the economy, mm -hmm. uh, why that's falling. But, yeah, it, it's, it's kind of fascinating to think back. Like even my first mortgage, which was only, I don't know, 15, 16 years ago, was over 5%. Yeah. 
which was low at the time, right? Which was low at the time. Yeah, I thought it was great. So, so I mean, let's talk about this for a moment because people, you know, they, they, the general conversation is the market is the way it is right now is because the rates have been so low and all it's going to take is for a rate increase and it's going to whatever, destroy the market or, you know, rebalance or whatever. It's not that easy. It's a very complicated equation, right? And I guess one of the questions is, you know, what uh, the, um, the Bank of Canada being careful about rate increases, like what's in their minds? What, what are they, what are their concerns? Forefront in their minds is, is inflation and especially inflation expectations. So we have inflation running at close to 5% in Canada, which is the highest in about 30 years. Um, so that, that's foremost in their minds, especially what they're really concerned about is inflation uh, feeding into expectations so when at, when when uh, consumers are, are are thinking about what 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 are these products, what is goods going to cost a year from now, and then those expectations start getting fed into things like wage demands and salary increases, and they get fed into price setting by firms, and you have this sort of feedback from expectations into actual inflation. We have this this sort of feedback loop, and that's what they really want to avoid. They want to make sure that consumers and businesses are have constant predictable inflation expectations anchored around 2%. So that's what they're really interested in. Uh, so they, even though like a lot of what we're seeing right now in inflation is probably temporary supply chain issues, other, other kind of pandemic driven kind of factors, even if, if, if on its own inflation might be coming back down, the Bank of Canada kind of needs to be seen to be doing something about inflation so that it gets into expectations uh, and, and it gets them back down. There's been a real spike in inflation expectations on the, on the part of consumers over the past couple of months, which is what happens when you have elevated kind of inflation. I think a secondary issue is, is things like the housing market, things like you know, debt burdens in, in Canada. That kind of stuff is is also an issue and maybe a bit of a limiter on how high rates can go. You know, talk about debt burden. You know, was uh, wasn't that long ago we're considering having a, a eight hundred thousand or million dollar mortgage? It was like, oh my goodness, that's so much money. But it is so common now, and 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 um, maybe we were talking about this. You know, you you were presenting at our at our uh, Remax broker owner um, uh, meeting uh, earlier in the week. How nowadays. Well, not just nowadays, maybe the buying habit is people buy a payment. They buy a payment, not necessarily the price of the house. Like what does it, what does it cost to them on a monthly basis relative to their income and stuff like that, right? Yeah, it's a fascinating change. And I don't know, I think some of it might be um, generational. I'm still in the generation that expects to pay off my mortgage, you know, and 25 years yeah, yeah. Or, yeah, the faster the better but i know you know friends of mine or, or colleagues that are 10 to 15 years younger than me um that have like a million dollar mortgage which to me would like keep me up at, at night <laughs> uh, but there's not the expectation that like they're, that they're going to pay off that mortgage they're like well, i'm gonna i'll put in my my equity over time i'll get some price appreciation over time you know obviously the market moves up and down um but i'm not you know, there's not the expectation I'm going to pay this off, like in some you know, accelerated time period. So it really is kind of about the payment rather than the, 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 the balance, which other countries have these sort of situations. I think it's like Sweden has like hundred year mortgages. And stuff. so like, I don't, I don't know, it's, um, it's just a different mindset. Um, and, and, the, and, you know, it, 
so like a lot of the mindset and all other kind of consumer goods has kind of become what's the monthly payment like what's the monthly payment on a car what's the it's not necessarily the the, uh, the overall balance it, yeah. it's it's interesting I, it's i don't know if we're kind of shifting that way if that's a, if it's a bc thing because prices are so high that like the idea i mean a lot of people would have trouble saving a million dollars over the course of a lifetime so to pay off a mortgage of that size is 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 a is a hurdle Oh, for sure. We're having a conversation today with the chief economist of the British Columbia Real Estate Association, Brendan Ogmanson. Of course, the British Columbia Real Estate Association um, includes the member boards uh, of uh, the real estate boards uh, in British Columbia. It does so much, uh, including, of course, economics, lobbying, uh, education, training, all of these neat things. Uh, great to have you back, Brendan. But listen, we need to take our, our break here right now. I want to talk on a couple of interesting things before we get into what happened in 2021 and where we're going in 2022. Uh, so we'll just take our break right now. We'll be back in just a moment. Now, The Whole Home Show with Tony Joe on CFAX 1070. Thanks for coming back. You're listening to The Whole Home Show, and I'm Tony Joe. Our show comes to you every week with the support of our show partners, Denise Webster, mortgage broker with Dominion Lending Center's Modern Mortgage Group, J.P. Sellas, insurance advisor at Westland Insurance, the Sitka Law Group for your real estate, wills and estates, corporate and personal injury needs, and Silhouette Home Inspections with Pierre Beauvais. If you need help or direction in your real estate transaction, give any of the Whole Home Show team members a call. They would love to hear from you. You can find their contact information and mine by visiting cfax1070.com. Look under shows and the Whole Home Show with me, Tony Joe, is right there. All their information is there. Uh, or reach out to me. Uh, always happy to hear from our loyal listeners here on the weekends. And a reminder, too, if you're a podcast listener, you can listen to all 230 or so episodes on iTunes or Google Play. You'll find us, The Whole Home Show with me, Tony Joe. <laughs> Having a conversation about what's going on out there in the real estate market. And we're not just talking guesswork here. We're actually having a conversation with a real live economist, be the chief economist of the British Columbia Real Estate Association, Brendan Ogmanson. Brendan, again, thanks for coming back. Thank you. We are having a chat before the break about interest rates. The rates didn't go up. They're going to go up. It's just a fact, right? Um, I guess one of the things that we can all be happy about, maybe we were a little disgruntled at the start, was this whole notion of the uh, stress test that kind of, you know, in some way brings some degree of comfort knowing that when the rates go up, we're not all going to, you know, be in trouble, right? Yeah. I mean, at the time, I certainly, I still think the stress test is too, um, uh, it, it's, it's too high of a bar, you know, 5.25%, especially where, where they- We should remind people, by the way. So the stress test is when you qualify for a mortgage, you qualify for, what is it the greater of, it's 2%, you qualify- <laughs> Yeah, it's if it's the greater of five point two five percent, or like the average five year fixed rate in the market plus two hundred basis points. Yeah, so you're not paying that, but the no. banks just want to make sure that you can support it if the rates go up. So here we are talking about rates going up, and we yeah. got people who've had their mortgages for the past couple of years thinking, well, it's okay, you know. In, um, yeah. And, and, and you can recall how much of an impact the, the introduction of B20 had on the market at a time when we were in a rate tightening cycle from 2018 to 2019. Uh, Bank of Canada got to 1.75%. The five-year fixed rate got to, I think it peaked at about an average of 3.9 or so, not quite to four, which meant a qualifying rate of close to 6%. Uh, yeah. which is where we're heading this time around too. It'll be really interesting to see how things have, have changed in the market if, if we have adapted to um, um, uh, handle that stress test a little bit better. But um, 
also they're going to review the stress test rate every year. I would hope that maybe they just cap it at 5.25 instead of um, test, you know, stress testing people over 6%, which I think would be a bit much. Yeah. Oh my goodness. And, and again, you know what? There was a time when 6% sounded great. Uh, sure. Metrics a little different now because the prices are different too. Um, I referred to the fact that you gave a presentation to our Remax broker owners uh, earlier this week. Something that I found really interesting that you were talking about is savings and how people have more savings now. It's, it's a, one of the many unusual aspects of, of the, the pandemic. And we had it, we were in a very deep recession uh, in 2020 uh, due to the pandemic. And most of the times in a recession, people um, uh, don't come out of recessions in great financial shape because of job loss and having to dip into savings and that kind of thing. One of the really, one of the many unusual things about the, the pandemic driven recession is that we came out of it with, you know, most households, obviously there's, there's, there's uh, um, uh, differences at, at different income spectrums, but most households came out of this in extraordinary financial shape. Uh, Canadian household savings uh, in just like the six quarters, kind of the 2020 to the, the, the first half of 2021, households in Canada saved more in that period than they had in the previous seven years combined. There's over $23 billion of savings in BC alone uh, in 2020. Uh, and, and, you know, metrics of, of financial vulnerability like consumer bankruptcies and mortgage defaults are at all-time lows. So we're, we're coming out of this uh, pandemic or whenever we come out of the pandemic with households in really good uh, financial shape and with a lot of savings to spend. And a lot of that savings obviously is already spent in, in things like housing. But um, yeah, households are in really good shape. And, yeah, and, again, and it, yeah. part of this is people weren't spending money like they they not spending money in the same way, you know, the travel and the you know, maybe discretionary stuff, you know, like the going out and, and all exactly. that. Uh, so, you know, what a difference that has made, huh? Yeah, it's, it's, it's phenomenal. It sets up the economy for, for really strong growth for the next couple of years. I think it, it, it provides some support to the housing market. Uh, a lot of the, you know, we talked about the stress test again. One of the, the byproducts of the stress test is that, um, you know, there's not a lot of vulnerability in the housing market. You know, if, to just to get a mortgage these days, and especially when you're talking about a million dollar mortgage where you have to have 20% down, uh, so you have to have $200,000 in equity to put down on, on, a, on a home um, or, you know, or, uh, or savings. Um, and then you also have to be able to pass the stress test with like an $800,000 mortgage, which requires pretty high incomes as well. So um, if you got a mortgage, if you bought a home in the last two years, uh, you probably had sort of platinum level kind of uh, 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 qualifying standards, right? Like really high income, huge down payment. Um, and so when we talk about risk in the market, the most of the people that have been buying over the past two years are, are sort of the best risks in, in the housing market. So, you know, this is a conversation that comes up quite often, too, because, you know, people often say, you know, how can people get in the market? And, and you know, it's very unrealistic. And what you just said, you, you know, reminds me that our market isn't driven by first time buyers. These are people that have grown equity over the course of the past, you know, or, they did yeah. scrimp and save at some point, you know, but it was early. Yeah. Right? Or, or the first time home buyers are, are benefiting from um, the equity of their parents largely. Mm -hmm. So that's like the one very, one thing that we really can't observe or measure is the amount of wealth transfer happening. Uh, and it, it's probably, you know, some people have described as the, the largest transfer of wealth uh, in Canadian history, a generational transfer of wealth. Um, I think CIBC had a report that in, in Vancouver, maybe it was for BC, the average 
gift or, or transfer from from parents was like one hundred and fifty thousand dollars to for for down payments, which you know is uh, there's there's a generation, especially a you know, baby boomer generation, has um, benefited from a huge drop in housing and the stock market, um, and uh, and are are choosing to gift a lot of like what would be an inheritance, mm -hmm. um, you know before they die, <laughs> essentially, yeah. um, which, you know, um, so we're seeing this amazing transfer of wealth. Um, that's kind of one of the, one of the, the, the um, factors in the housing market. That's kind of, kind of hard to see. Yeah. Well, actually I, I do see it on a regular basis because of course, a lot of my clientele are the retirees and the baby boomers. And that dialogue is common, which is, you know, it's so nice to be able to give these things now and see the kids and the grandkids enjoy it as yes. opposed to having to wait until I'm gone kind of thing, right? Yeah, exa exactly, exactly. Yeah, very interesting. Okay, a uh, quick recap of 2021. Um, it sort of surprised us, uh, record-breaking year in BC, right? Yeah, I don't know, but hopefully it didn't surprise me. I think I was, at least, at least halfway <laughs> through the year, I was forecasting it was gonna be a record year. Yeah. Um, and we, we did hit about 125,000 sales in the province, which beat 2016's record if you recall 2016 felt like a pretty pretty wild year um and uh and we beat that record by about 12,000 sales uh seven of the 10 kind of regions we track in the province hit new records uh in 2021 actually and I, I should say though when you did bring it up the other day victoria is one of two areas that did not yeah victoria fell about 500 sales short uh but it's also the most supply constrained market in in bc i would guess maybe even in canada uh, they're just if I think if we had more listings in Victoria, then we would have hit a record. Yeah. Um, but but we finished the year in Victoria at under 500 listings for a market area of about 400,000 people, yeah. um, which is kind of shocking. Uh, and so I, th I think that was the main constraint in, in Victoria. Vancouver Island did hit a record. The Vancouver Island Real Estate Board area hit a record, but, but yeah, Victoria fell a bit short. Yeah, I mean, what was the other market area again? Uh, the BC Northern area, okay. so like Prince George and, and that kind of area. Um, fell about 60 sales short. And then I think the Northern Lights, which they're so now it's called South Peace Region, which is like Northeast BC also yeah. didn't interact. And then in areas that exploded were like Chilliwack, right? Chilliwack was pretty wild. Uh, Chilliwack, um, uh, the interior. So like now the new combined Okanagan boards destroyed their previous record by a couple thousand sales. Yeah. Uh, a lot of Mar Fraser Valley hit a, a huge, like you have the, the sort of Langley, Surrey, Abbotsford area um beat its record by a pretty healthy margin it's pretty and you can kind of see the trends you know from the pandemic where people moving to markets that were close enough to vancouver that they could they could work remotely and maybe travel to the office once or once a week or a couple times a month uh, that's close enough so like chilliwack and any of those fraser valley areas really benefited from that and then areas where people probably accelerated some retirement plans or or you know, we're, we're solidly working remotely things, you know, places like the Okanagan and Bank of Island really benefited from that. And if you look at population growth in the province, 2021, those are all the areas that, that uh, led the province in population growth. Fantastic. Well, listen, I uh, need to take our last break of the day uh, talking with Brendan Ogmanson. He is the chief economist at the British Columbia Real Estate Association, doing a recap of what happened in 2021, but we're going to pick it up after the break here. We'll be back in just a moment. This is The Whole Home Show with Tony Joe on CFAX 1070. Thanks for coming back. You're listening to The Whole Home Show, and I'm Tony Joe. We're having a conversation with the chief economist of the British Columbia Real Estate Association, BCREA, Brendan Ogmanson, talking about what's happened in the real estate markets in the province of BC. Thanks again. Thanks, as always, for coming uh, on our program, Brendan. Really always appreciate a pleasure. it. 
Uh, just before the break, we were talking about the growth. We were talking about how uh, areas like Chilliwack. Oh, my goodness. My cousin used to live in Chilliwack, and um, her husband commuted. I remember it was like, oh, so far back then. But now, you know, um, I saw the average price growth there. It, it was big, right? It's, it's And I, I actually was, I grew up in Chilliwack. I was born there. and, and, and Famous Five went, Corners. Went to, that's right. <laughs> went, to, went to school there. Yeah. Um, it's it's pretty incredible to see some of the neighborhoods that you know that I, I grew up in and the, and the prices and if you look at the assessments I think in some parts of Chilliwack we're up over forty percent year over year I mean it's 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 incredible but again it was a market where uh, space was available during the pandemic and was was more affordable at least you know was more affordable uh, at the time and so we saw a real flood of people looking to get out of you know Vancouver proper and into you know more space. Uh, really flood into into Chilliwack. Now, um, do, I, remind me, did you do you have figures for population growth for 2021, or they're not here quite yet? Uh, yeah, no, we uh, we we do. I think I have them in front of me too. Well, uh, because of course uh, it it would stand a reason that the province has encountered a population growth because the question is who's buying all these things. We got people coming from other provinces, right? Yeah, like BC itself, I think only grew a little over one percent, which is not not bad population growth. But the real issue was it was regionally, it was sort of a shift in composition, right? So some areas like um, uh, like the island get most of their population growth from interprovincial migration, so people moving from other parts of the province. Vancouver gets almost all of its population growth from from immigration. Uh, tends to lose people inter intra intra-provincially um and then places like the the okanagan and other places tend to get people from alberta and that that kind of movement baker island gets gets that inter-provincial um um uh, population growth as well because people like to retire to vancouver island um but yeah it's 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 really kind of a it was more of like not necessarily a huge growth in the population of bc as, as a whole more like a shifting around of population so you know Kelowna, squamish and chilliwack were the three highest growing areas in the province um and, and a lot of that is just people coming from other parts of the province you know mostly from the lower mainland yeah, it's amazing, you know, because, of course, Victorians who listen to the program here and they, of course, we're always thinking about where we are. We don't think about other places in, in the province uh, and everything. Um, but in the grand scheme of things, uh, it's a reminder about how lovely BC is. People have come here as people want to come here. Right. Yeah, I mean, exactly. And you, if you if you work from anywhere and, and you'd rather, you know, if you're not a bad to- place. Yeah, and you, you're like looking at your condo in Vancouver and thinking, well, I could get something much bigger in a really nice part of BC on the island or the Okanagan. Like, why not do that? Yeah, and not Winnipeg. And not probably not Winnipeg. <laughs> okay. No, no shade thrown at Winnipeg, but probably <laughs> yeah. not Winnipeg. Okay, okay. Um, all right, so that's 2021. We know the numbers are strong. Prices were up. Uh, what were they provincially in the 20s? Right, 20 percent. Yeah, I think for the province as a whole, I should know this off the top of my head, but I think it's about seven, it was about 17%. It's close to 20%. Yeah, um, yeah. One of those, one of those issues where Vancouver was sort of like around 15, but all the other markets were like 25 and it, Vancouver yeah. was a huge part of the average. So it kind of pulled it down a little bit. Got it. So uh, 2021, uh, that's what happened. Now we're in 2022 and what's it look, looking like for, uh, for the year coming forward? Uh, kind of like we thought. I mean, we, we thought that the first couple months of the year, and we're you know in just about the end of the first month, that we have really uh, strong momentum in sales, which is what we're seeing, uh, and a lot of upward pressure on 
prices because we started the year at the lowest supply on record, you know, only about 12,000 listings for the province as a whole. Mm -hmm. uh, and again, in Victoria ended the year at under 500 listings. So pretty competitive. Yeah. Um, uh, and so we're hearing and, and, and seeing in the sort of the data that we can see kind of in real time that price growth is continuing to really spiral upwards, you know, 20% plus um, for, for a lot of areas. So that's the way we thought we would start the year. I think that's going to continue all through the spring. Um, as interest rates are rising and, and starting to kind of bite into demand, I think we'll see things start to moderate the second half of 2022 and into 2023. Um, you know, it really depends on how fast the Bank of Canada increases rates, what, what bond markets think about those rate increases and their impact on, on growth and inflation. Uh, in 2018, 2019, the Bank of Canada was tightening, but bond yields were at the five-year level were actually falling because uh, markets were thinking, you guys are tightening too fast. Uh, this is going to start hurting growth. So there's not always this one-to-one -one relationship between the Bank of Canada and what bond markets and financial markets are thinking. So, but you know, generally we see mortgage rates hitting close to four percent by 2023, and I think that should, you know, in our models, the way it works, that, that should bring demand down back to kind of normal levels. But um, I think we're going to have a lot of pretty pretty significant pressure on prices for the first half of this year. Well, then this is the thing, because there are people out there that have, and we talk to them regularly, oh, I can't wait till the rates go up, because then the markets, you know, the bottom's going to fall out, and then prices are going to drop. There's no indications for that. No, and when we, you know, when we've modeled this, um, you know, it, it really helps to, to have kind of mathematical models of this stuff, because it kind of helps, you know, clear up your thinking. Um, you know, the way things tend to work is pretty mechanical, like, you know, supply needs to go up a lot and demand or demand needs to fall a lot uh, to uh, to generate declines in prices. The only time we really see big declines in prices is when we have a huge imbalance of supply over demand. So right now we have a 25,000 listings deficit uh, in the province. We need to see uh, supply, like total listings, the province probably hit like 50 to 55,000 with like below normal demand before we really see downward pressure on prices. Mm -hmm. um, I think we could see price growth slow, which would be, I think everyone would agree would be a good thing. 20% increases in prices is not healthy for any market. Um, but so I think we'll, we'll see prices slow down. I'm kind of hoping more than really believing at this point because supply is so low and, and price pressure so strong. Um, um, but th that's the way it should work to generate like a real decline in prices though. You have to have very high interest rates, huge drop in demand, huge increase in supply. That's going to take a really long time. And so even in our models, when we really stress test it, it's like not till 2024 that we start to see that even, and that would mean like a three and a half percent bank of Canada overnight rate, qualifying rate close to 7%, that kind of, that kind of thing. So kind of an And when we sort of encountered that back in 2008, when this, when we were experiencing that economic downturn, there was, a, you know, we learned a lot from that, right? We, we did. And you, I mean, in that case, you know, you needed a fire sale amount of inventory, like people dumping inventory on the market and we had a really rapid run up in listings but and from like a level that was already like you know healthy um that's kind of like what we thought was going to happen in the pandemic was an increase in listings um because of you know, high unemployment the usual things that drive if people to list their homes 
and it went the other way. It actually listens actually fell, which makes sense now in a pandemic with hindsight. Yeah, yeah people pull their are going to pull their listings. They don't want people coming in their houses during the initial stages of a pandemic. So, uh, yeah, it was it's. But that's kind of what you need to generate a decline in prices is people being really motivated to sell. And again, going back to our discussion about savings and and who's who's actually bought homes in the past couple of years, to you know, there are not not usually types of households that are going to be in a hurry to sell their homes if like you know that you know rates go up a little bit, right? They're they're kind of they're they're kind of platinum level credit, and they're mm. they're they're not going to be you know dumping listings onto the market. Yeah, the um, and I think the other thing that may stick around as well too, you know, post post when all this is done. Uh, is the pandemic has changed a lot of how people kind of envision their lifestyle and combining that whole remote work thing, you know, choosing mm -hmm. to live. I mean, it's kind of cool to be able to live where you want to live and still get a paycheck in the East, right? Yeah, yeah the idea that the pandemic has ex accelerated trends by like 10 years. So like you're thinking like, oh, maybe 10 years from now, everyone will be you know, talking the way we're talking on, you know, you know, on, on Zoom, like this didn't, wasn't really a thing three years ago, right? Um, um, and so, yeah, why not, if I can do this, if I can, if I can, you know, talk to my, my team or whoever, I can, I should be able to work wherever, wherever I want. And, and so it's really accelerated those trends. Um, I think that's one of the big, when we wrote about the post-pandemic market, that was a big part of like one, one of the questions, like, is remote working kind of here to stay? And, if you survey Canadians, like 80, 80% prefer to work from home at least half the time. And it was across all ages. That was one of the really fascinating things we're looking at the data was, I thought there'd be some groups that would really prefer to work from home, some that would really prefer to work from the office. But it, any every age group was was basically, I want to work from home most of the time, uh, which was, was kind of surprising to me. <laughs> okay. So uh, in a recap, 2021, strong year record in the province uh we were slightly uh, uh uh short in victoria but that's only because of inventory because if there was more properties to show we would have had at least that other 500 sales to make it um you know the record year um prices are up it's because of demand uh, and you know talking about 2022 we know that the rates are going to go up this is this is just a fact um and uh if if i was understanding what you're saying the likelihood is we're going to see more price appreciation for 2022 as well too right yeah i think in victoria our forecast comes out this week i think i think in victoria we have home prices up 11 percent in 2022 mm -hmm. um and you know a lot of that is is the handoff from from december to january was so strong that if we just stay like a december level of average price victoria hit over a million dollars for the first time yeah. on their average price in december if we just stay at that level that kind of and flatten out for the rest of 2022 that essentially bakes in about a 10 percent increase now average price moves around a lot uh because the way averages work but a lot of that price increase for this year is, is kind of already baked into the, the forecast like you know, if we just stay at that level and flatten out, we're, we're at 11% over. over I've never, year. I've never seen anything like what happened in December, like in the last few weeks. Like no, it's that's just not, that's yeah. not the way December is supposed to work. No, no, no. Very, very interesting. Um, Brendan, thank you very much. And if listeners uh, would like some information uh, from BCREA, probably just easy to visit the BCREA website, right? 
that's the best place to go. You can just Google BCRA. It'll come up. Yeah. The British. It's got a long, it's got a long uh, uh, URL, but yeah. Uh, and then ch click on our economics tab. You can find all kinds of good stuff there. Uh, and you also do a lot of videos. So on YouTube, uh, BCRA has economic, uh, videos, tons of great information, folks, uh, both, uh, you know, BCRA Korea, which is our, our national association also has a lot of great information. You know what? The important thing I want to part impart on our listeners here is it's not guesswork. You know, you talk to your agent. We're not just guessing about what's going on and, and talking out of nowhere. There's economists like Brendan out there who actually, know, I mean, hey, listen, you were throwing numbers out of your head. You know these things cold, right? And that's why you're here. Yeah. And then, you know, one of the best things we do is, is try and help help realtors understand what's going on in the economy, what's going on in the market. It's the best part of my job is, is getting out and talking to realtors, making presentations, answering questions so that they're really informed and they can really advise their clients. And the cons it's great information for the consumers, too. Thanks for coming, uh, Brennan, as always. And we'll get you back another time. And we're going to compare notes because so far you're batting a thousand, I got to say. Yeah, let's hope. Let's hope uh, this, year, this year goes according to plan. Thanks. Nice. Uh, and to the rest of our listeners, we'll be here for you this time next week.